Hello and welcome to episode 969 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, August 17th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Hanging in there. Got a little day baseball action. It was only a seven-inning game because it's a doubleheader, but uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. And we're going on Tuesday today because we didn't post the Friday episode. For whatever reason, we made a mistake. So we decided to post it yesterday. Still had some relevant info. And then we move back to Tuesday. We are still Monday, Friday. This was just an extenuating circumstance. So we didn't double post in a day. So just so everyone knows not to get used to Tuesdays again, that that will not be the norm. Don't don't get used to anything, because as soon as you get used to it, we'll change it again. Well, we'll have to change for some reason. Yeah, but we're, we're, you know, as long as you're getting three episodes a week on average, should be good to go. Let's dive into our news, though. We are in a little bit of a time crunch because of the, the time switch. Um, and let's talk about Fernando Tatis returning to the outfield. Certainly didn't impact his offense. Popped two homers, looked back. I mean, we've kind of gotten used to this, maybe even spoiled by this with Tatis, that like whenever he does return, it seems to be stu- sudden and as though he never left. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? Because I'm pretty sure he's still the number one fantasy player despite only playing 89 games because he leads the National League in homers and steals. He's also hitting 299, 82 runs, 74 ribbies. So with Tatis, you know, if he's playing the outfield the rest of the season, he'll gain eligibility there. He'll have shortstop outfield. But is he still a top half first rounder for you next year, given the lingering shoulder? I think so, because my assumption is they will do some sort of surgery in the offseason. Yeah, I was going to ask, would, would you do you need to have details on what goes on this offseason to be firm on that, which I would fully understand wanting to have that info. But as it stands right now, you believe there will be a fix, a surgery of some sort. That fix will then keep him Tatis firmly in the in the top half of the first round, top five, six picks. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know that there's any pick in the first round that's going to feel extremely comfortable next year anyway sure i I mean considering what we've been through this year yeah you highlighted it recently how virtually every first rounder has had something yeah i mean it's you know and i mean the only one that the only guy that i think we're talking about for next year that hasn't is otani and i think you can make the argument considering his injury history that there's obviously question marks there well, any pitches too, so it's it's always just exactly. kind of looping. I would say Jose Ramirez, uh, pretty clean. He was my first round pick, mm-hmm. and I, I don't say that to like bring it up to like brag about it or whatever. Just I've only had to worry like one little time. I think he was out with like a hand for a short period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually played. it was a day to day type thing. I don't think he actually hit the AL. Yeah, he's had a couple day to day things and a couple off days. So he's played 108 of their 117 games. Uh, nothing, nothing to be worried about there. But yeah, I think I agree with you on Tatis. Like he's just so good that I think you just got to kind of take on the risk that goes with it. Um, I think we've always overestimated the notion of a risk-free pick. Uh, I, I understand that it's in in some cases it's shorthand to where we're really highlighting that it's that it's you know not as much risk unless injury comes into the picture, which is a risk for literally everybody. Um, but I think even with some skills, we've seen that there, there can be some risk with some of these hitters, uh, you know, guys who s- stop stealing all of a sudden, if they're just not running for whatever reason, um, the ball changes on them. If their swing changes, 
a lot of different things that can happen. So next year's first round is going to be wild. And I think we could have, I don't know, upwards of like 20, maybe, let's say 25 might be high, but I think 20 guys who will at least touch the first round in some capacity. Yeah, I, I mean, I think 30 might even. <laughs> you, you think 20 is too light? Okay, yeah. I, 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 25, yeah, I think I 25 back, might but... be your right answer there. Because, I mean, it depends on lots of things. Obviously, like how many pitchers do we see going in the yep. first round next do people year? people pull back from pitching completely? Do other people dive into it? Um, you know, is it fully hitter-based, but then people are gambling on different hitters that they like, that they think can take the next step? Will the the lack of certainty embolden folks to be like, yeah, I don't trust anything right now. So I'm going to take Ozzy Albies in the first, you mm-hmm. know, so, something like that. Um, and remember there was some, there was some real consternation about him yeah. coming into the year. There were people which, saying he shouldn't be a third round pick. And, uh, and he, he's according to the, uh, Rasball player Raider, he's the number seven player. Boom. I mean, I thought it was kind of weird to dismiss I, him as a 24 year old. He, he, he was like, he was the boring guy. Oh, he's boring. Yeah. He's got no upside. It's like he's 24. Yeah. He, he was, yeah. He was like super, super young coming into the season. Like I, I didn't get it either, but. And, and imagine if uh, Cunha hadn't gotten hurt and kept driving him in mm-hmm. and kept, kept those, kept those runs scored up. I mean, it's not a line that like jumps out and is like, Oh, this is the most amazing, but it's the impact everywhere yeah. that really helps all But yeah, that was just a, a, a you know, random guy because I saw that he was top 10, you know, maybe somebody wants to make Devers. Maybe somebody's going to put Cedric Mullins in the first round power speed guy. Who's what? 26 next year. Yeah. I'll be interested to see where he goes. Uh, I wish I had him in more dynasty leagues. Uh, because... Yeah. So you wouldn't have to worry. Cause then you parlayed your, your, your call into multi-year yeah. excellence. But uh, yeah, I'll be definitely interested to see where he goes because I mean, for all intents and purposes, I mean, he should be, a first rounder next year, considering what he did this year, but how many people are going to be like, well, that's, that's paying the freight. And yeah. I may be one of them. I, I haven't even come out I, I don't know. where I'm yeah. going to be on it. I, I don't know that I'm fully out on the, the idea of Cedric Mullins age 27, fully in his peak, having a brilliant season. Uh, the, you know, the line is unimpeachable. And so, you know, do you think it's a stone cold fluke? Do you think there's some peel back, but that the, the peel back still keeps him, you know, in those first couple rounds there. So I'm eager to see where it all goes, but Tatis will remain there because if I'm going to take the risk, I might as well take it on one of, if not just the unquestioned most talented player in the league. Let's talk Reds, the team that's chasing Tatis's Padres. Although with him back, that certainly gives gives uh, Padres fans a little bit better feeling. But the Reds are charging hard, and they made two interesting moves. One, Nick Senzel was activated, but sent to AAA. Then, I believe a day later, maybe two days later, Jesse Winker gets hurt, facilitates an IL stint, and they call up. Jose Barrero, a.k.a. Jose Garcia. You may remember him from last year when he was called up. Didn't really make any uh, any impact last year. He was coming up at a very young age, 22, and he hadn't touched higher than uh, high A at that point. So, you know, they were giving him a shot because they believed in him, but he didn't do anything of note in his 68 plate appearances. He's gone down to the minors this year and crushed at the high minors. He, he's got 40 games at both levels, um, exactly. 133 WRC plus in double A, 153 in triple A for Barrero. He has uh, 17 homers, 
15 stolen bases in that time as well. He's he's had an amazing season in the minor leagues this year. It's going to come up. Now, the shortstop position is not wide open because Kyle Farmer is still there, and, and he's coming off of a hot streak of his own. But I think they're going to call up Barrero to, to give him some burn. He didn't play on Monday. Doesn't look like he's actually in today's lineup either. So two days of sitting. Is this a temporary call-up? And then we'll get to Senzel. But with Barrero, is he somebody that you think – can fit his way into this lineup regularly enough to be a pickup? I think for the short term, he can. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty good defender on top of having a, just a really nice offensive year uh, so far in the minor leagues. Um, he, you know, he's hitting 303, 378, five, or, yeah, 532 uh, triple slash so far between double A and triple A. He's been very, very impressive. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I think once they get healthy again, he's going to get sent back down again because the whole reason they didn't bring Senzel up is that uh, they didn't they didn't have room for him. They they have so many guys who can't option. See, I don't know that I agree with that though. I that's, feel that's like what they, they said. Have no, I I think they're full of shit. I, I mean, do too. Who am I to say that a team is? But like with Winker going down, how's that not open the perfect avenue? Now he went he was sent down the day before Senzel was, but injury can facilitate not having to serve the 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 ten days in the minors. So Senzel could have turned right back around and come up. He's going to play infield outfield anyway. So why couldn't he have come up? You know, shared some time with Akiyama in center. Shared some time with Farmer at short. I like Barrero. I'm actually excited by him. But they brought him up, lefty on Monday, righty on Tuesday, sitting against both. So what is the game plan with him then? Is he like he's just a bench bat at that point? I'd rather bring up Senzel because you don't want to you don't want to put Barrero up just to be a bench guy. Let him keep crushing in AAA at least. Keep him in rhythm. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I would hope they give him some run here, give him a chance to see what he's got. I mean, he's still super young. Uh, yeah, he's still only 23, but I mean this this season has really shown why Barrero was such a high mm -hmm. uh highly sought after pro, uh, prospect. He's now number 1 in their org, top 30 in baseball, and he's got all the tools and the hit tools like it's taken a big jump this year. That was the biggest thing lagging on Barrero's scouting report and now it's playing up um with the 300 average at both levels, 305 actually in uh AAA. So he's been amazing. I just want to see what they do with him playing time-wise. With Senzel, though, were you surprised that he was sent out? A little bit, because there wasn't a whole lot of talk that that was even in the cards for him. I was uh, stunned, I, I will say. And Not that he's so good that he can't be sent out, but he's 26. What does he have to learn in AAA? Uh, how to stay healthy? I mean, do they teach that down there? I don't know. But you should I mean, have learned it on the way up. There. I mean, listen, I'm not trying to take shots at him. It sucks that he's dealt with all these injuries. They've been an issue throughout his career. I think even dating back to his time mm -hmm. at Tennessee, I can be corrected on that if I'm wrong. But I think it's it's been just an ever-present thing, so, somewhat in the Anthony Rendon mold, except Rendon overcame them. And when he was healthy, he dominated. We have not seen that from Senzel, um, you know, despite being the number two pick back in 2016. I'm Yeah, I'm surprised that, like, I know Naquin's had a good season and stuff, um, but like Naquin has options. Um, you know, 
Akiyama has options. Naquin had a good start, man. He's like, I think if you dig in, you'll see he's been pretty rough since that. It's not that, that he's that, been pretty rough. It's that he is, he's had a power outage. He's hit 278 in the second half, but he's a well, yeah, one home run. Exactly. But and so, he had one in July. And he's not a good August. defender. So, like, I don't know what his value, uh, you know, does Aquino need to be up on this team? I, I like having Aquino up. I actually would would keep him. I'm a, a power bat like that off the bench that can change the fate of a game when he's not starting with a, with a pinch hit. The whole he's team is pretty that, well. The, the whole team is a power bat that can change the sure. game. Like the, I, I just I would rather have him up than Naquin a million out of a million times personally. I'm wondering if there is, and it it looks like they there may be some concerns like over Senzel's mechanics because of his injury. And that maybe he needs to work some things out mechanically because, uh, you know, if you look on on uh, on his page on Fangraphs, the Rotowire News, Senzel is still favoring his left knee when he hits. So maybe because he's like still not a hundred percent, he's still kind of uh, uh, he, he's he's mechanically kind of flawed right now, and so that's that why. He's, so maybe that's why he's going down until he kind of can is feeling well enough to kind of go back to his actual mechanics. Uh, and that would that make, makes a bit more sense. That would make yeah. a lot more sense. So, uh, but this is a team, like you said, like they're, they're cruising right now. Uh, you know, I don't think they're catching the Brewers in the division, but they could catch the Padres uh, here. They're, they're game and a half and back. Half back. Yeah. Yep. So the, the collar has tightened mm-hmm. on the Padres and, you know, Tatis coming back will certainly help that. But he alone can't do it. I don't think he alone can stave them off with the pitching that they have right now or don't have, as it were. So we'll keep a close eye on that. I mean, their pitching is so beat up right now. They just signed Jake Arrieta. I know. And if that's not if that's not a death knell, then (laughs) I'm not sure what it like. That's really that's really rough. And remember, we were talking about how amazing they're like. That's that's why the adage "you can never have too much pitching" is is always they are going proving this. Both yeah. them and the Dodgers, the, yeah, both teams absolutely. were stacked at the beginning of the season in terms of how many pitchers they have, and the Dodgers just had to put Cole Hamels on the sixty day IL, uh, having not thrown. I thought they made... bought the championship with him though. <laughs> they did. They did. I thought it was bought, bought and paid for when, yeah. once they got Cole Hamels. I mean, both the Dodgers and the Padres. IL rotations are better than like 80% of the league. Uh, you know, it's, teams in the league. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's truly insane. I mean, um, it's going to be the Padres, to see who, who they pa- add back. Right? The Padres injured starters are Mike Clevenger, Hugh Darvish, Danelson Lamette, Adrian Morone, and Chris Paddock. That's legitimately pick, a rotation. Yeah, pick five better pitchers in a rotation. Like, put put that put that rotation on the Pirates, even with their same offense, even having traded yeah. Frazier, and they would be pushing 500. Yeah, I mean, is that rotation when healthy and in actually pitching well, like not better than the Boston Red Sox who are like in first place and oh easily. I mean, they're oh, oh okay, okay, they're not first place anymore. That's right. They're in deep out. trouble too. Yeah, awful decision today to pull Hauk after 58 pitches. I, I don't I don't understand that man. Like. I don't want to go on a full tangent about that. And, and listen, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, exactly. I'm going to freely admit part of it is fantasy based. Yes, I have him. I want him to be able to try to get wins. So fantasy dork in here trying to tell teams how to manage, but youngster 68 pitches uh, or 58 pitches. You're not going to figure out the third time through if you never get to go. And if, if 
sub 60 pitches isn't a time to go, then just use him as a middle reliever. Anyway, moving on. Um, Joe Ross is done for the year. Looks like he won't need Tommy John, so that's at least some good news. Easy cut. Any interest to buy low in like a dynasty uh, in the hopes of him returning next year? Or did you just enjoy the quality that we got this year and you continue to play wait and see with with Joe Ross? No, I think you got to play wait and see. I mean, there are always guys like this on the wire. You picked up Joe Ross off the wire this year. No, you're right. Too risky. Yeah. I I just wanted to see if you you had anything different there that could maybe sway me. I like Joe Ross, always have. But I can't, I, I've I always can't been a Joe Ross guy, and I will continue to be a Joe Ross guy, but I got to see that he's healthy. Yep, yep, same here. Okay, um, and then Yasmani Grandal is moving his uh, rehab to AAA, which means it's go time, folks. If you haven't, I saw him going a bunch of leagues this week. If he's still out there, now is the time to pick him up, though. Um, it's not going to be a lot of availability, but just check, because if there's a, a an IL pinch somewhere, those are the leagues where he's likely to be available. Somebody just couldn't carry the three catchers and nobody wanted to put him um, on an IL spot. Go look. Just make sure he's 60% at ESPN. That's a lot of leagues out there where Grandal's available. Even in a one-catcher league, I would try to pick him up right now and store him um, You know, to cut cut the worst player on my team and, and just have have Grandal ready for, what, the final like five, six weeks? Yeah. I mean, he, he – uh played long enough in the last two games to get uh, four plate appearances and three player appearances. So he's, he's playing enough. Um, you know, question is, and I haven't seen like how much did he catch in those games or was True. it just DHing? Cause I mean, you know, they don't necessarily, I guess they, they probably could just DH him when he comes back, but they could at least some, like, yeah. I don't know that they have to go full bore. With the defense is so back. bad if they've got to play both Eloy and like Vaughn out in the outfield at the same time. Not to mention his defense as a catcher is so yeah. much better. And he only he only caught one of the four games that he's okay. that he had in Double A. I just checked. So good good thing to keep an eye out on. Um, but at Triple A means he's knocking on the door, and once they feel he's ready to come up, and I think at least be a part time catcher, because uh, I think they believe that the hitting's already going to be there once he returns. Grandal can be a big piece for folks. All right, let's put a couple guys in focus. We haven't talked about this guy in a while, but we last discussed Austin Riley by putting him in focus on on June 15th, so almost two months ago to the day. Since then, he's hitting 289, 359, 543, which is essentially where his line was when we looked at him the first time. He has 13 homers and 41 ribbies in that time. That's a 38-121 full-season pace. His overall full season pace is for 34 homers, 99 ribs with a 292 average. So he's been having this great breakout season. We checked in on him. He's continued it since. I wanted to refollow up because I'm looking toward next year. Where do you think Austin Riley goes if he keeps at this trajectory, approaches about a 3,100 type season with a great batting average, even if it comes down, let's say, to like 280? He loses 12 points the rest of the year. Um, 280, 30, and 100. Where are you putting Austin Riley next year? For context, he went between the 14th and 20th round in in OCs this year. He was more 19, 20 round on average, but he peaked as high as the 14th round. So where would you draft Austin Riley in a 12-teamer next year, given the breakout season? Hmm. That's a really, really good question. And I'm like just starting to work like on that kind of stuff for next year. Like I, I'm hoping to have like my first set of rankings for – 20 or for 2022 at the end of the month 
Um, well, let's talk through it a little bit to, to help to help you along the way here. Do you believe in what we've seen this year? Absolutely. So I'm with you. I, I it doesn't have to necessarily be 292, 34, and 99, the exact paces he's at. But I believe that he can be, like I said, a 280, 30, 100 type. And I believe this is the beginning of multiple years here. He's going to be 25 next year on a quality team, at least the top half of the lineup. I think they'll figure out ways to deepen the lineup this year. They'll get Acuna back relatively early in the season, if not before the season, depending on how well he heals. Can he get better? Can Riley improve upon this? Or is this kind of a level that we're hoping to plateau at for a few, realistically, right? Obviously, if he can get better, that'd be great. But where, where do you where do you see Riley going as far as skills from here? This is a uh, multi-years multi at this level, or is there another level? I think we're probably talking about multi-years at this level and, and maybe a little bit of regression uh, back from from. Th what he's done this season i mean he's, from the batting average specifically yeah yeah from think. the batting average. like i think he's probably like a 260 270 type hitter okay and uh and actually i, I want to see what he's what did you say his batting average since that since Two, uh 288 since we last checked in 292 on the year so he, he oh, was yeah, hitting I mean, a little a little bit higher but he's basically maintained like he uh, he has been i was surprised to see just how almost dead even he was ops wise from that last check-in that we did. And, and then, that's why I wanted to push it forward and see where we're at for next year. I mean, I love the contact skills. I mean, since since that conversation, so since uh, June 28th uh, on 81.4% zone contact percentage, uh, you know, 73% uh, contact percentage overall. So we're talking about league average, but with like above league average power, which is exactly, exactly what we want to see. Now, his swing and strike rate is around, you know, 13, 14%. He swings outside of the zone a third of the time, 33%. So those are numbers that tell me he's probably going to strike out a little bit more than he has been, you know, in this run and over the course of the full season. So, like, I expect that strikeout rate probably to be at least around the 25% that it is for the, you know, the full season is right now and probably tick a little bit higher than that. But that being said... Sure. A guy who can hit 30 to 35 home runs with like a 270 batting average, isn't that what we were paying for like Eugenio Suarez this year in like the fourth, fifth round? Exactly. And I, I think with Riley, like you said, strikeouts might go up a bit. Babbitt probably come down a bit from the 347 career high, put him in the 260 range. But 40 homers are not out of the question here. Yeah. In terms of growth, I think it would be via the power to where he could push top of the heap sort of power similar to an Eugenio Suarez. And I don't think he has quite the uh, swing and miss issues that Suarez has had in his peak when he popped 49 homers. But I think that's the kind of guy that we're looking at here. I mean, uh, in 19, when, when Suarez hit 49, he led baseball with 189 strikeouts. Well, I think if Riley can be a little bit better than that, maybe he doesn't reach 49 homers, but he, like I said, hits 40, 100 something ribbies, pushing 100 runs, depending on where he's batting. I think there's a lot of upside here. I think he's at least a top 10 rounder, and I wonder if I'm going to start looking at him around the 6th, 7th round. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I think that's that's exactly where I would probably put him in, and I wish I had uh, thought about this 
prior when I was starting this this three sport draft because he should have been a guy I was targeting, uh, kind of in that range of baseball players, but uh, just kind of slipped my mind a little bit. He's been really really good, and there's no reason to think he can't take a lot of this into next season. I agree. I think it's been kind of quiet with Riley too. He's mm-hmm. not getting maybe the run that he he deserves. I think because uh, it a, hasn't come in guy. like little bunches. It's been you know kind of just consistent throughout the entire year. Yep, you look up every time, and Riley's still plugging away doing his thing. So, uh, interesting breakout year from him. Been really enjoying that from Austin Riley. Let's talk about John Means. Put him in focus. It's a little bit the opposite end here. Uh, Two twenty eight ERA and a point eighty three WHIP through twelve starts. Uh, then got hurt. Was on the IL for a bit. Five sixty seven and a one thirty WHIP in the five starts since returning. The strikeout rate has dipped from twenty six percent to fifteen for John Means. It's a different guy. It's 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 not the guy that we saw last year with the skills that he was putting together. Um, it's not the guy that we saw in the first half of the season. It, it's it's just not the John Means that we're used to. Is it a little blip because it's five starts out of a uh, 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 coming out of an injury, or is it something more concerning with John Means? Where do you currently stand uh, on Means? Somebody who was a popular breakout coming in has ostensibly done that breakout because his composite numbers are three twenty one point ninety seven. But what about for the uh, what what about for the remainder of this year with John Means? Are you concerned about the struggles? I I am concerned uh, about the struggles, especially because the home runs. The home runs are like a really big issue right now. He's got seven home runs over his last five starts. It's a career long issue for Means too. Keep that yeah. in mind. Um, that's I mean I I think you know I mean it's it's hard because it's come in bunches too, right? He gave up two home runs uh, on the twentieth of July. Uh, which led to five earned runs, and then three home runs against your Detroit Tigers, mm-hmm. which led to six earned runs. The other starts, you know, there was another bad start, but it wasn't it wasn't homer based uh, against Washington. But you know, he he did really well against Detroit on the at the end of July, and then started August with a good start uh, versus Tampa Bay. Um, but when he is not commanding within the zone, he he struggles and and gives up those long bombs, and that's a bit of a problem, especially in pitching in Camden and in the uh, the AL East. Uh, I I I do believe in the talent, but I'm this is this is very concerning, and he's definitely not in every kind of like you know start guy. So at this point, because John Means plays in such a difficult division, you suspect that he's going to be facing that division a bit. Uh, are those the avenues where you're taking some breaks with him, like against your your Bostons and Torontos? Um, what about Tampa Bay and New York? Uh, first off, am I right about Boston and Toronto? And then what about the other two, Tampa Bay and New York, that are a little bit more – they've got a threatening lineup, but they don't always – produce is it the whole division that you're worried about means is it a home road what where exactly are you taking these breaks with him oh yeah i'm probably looking at team splits and i'm going like how do they fare against left-handed pitching okay um and and making a decision there so for instance like he is uh he's going up against uh tampa bay uh i think today right tonight um you know uh so obviously, by the time people are hearing it, it's probably a bit too late. But you know, Tampa Bay is a team that uh, hasn't been great against left-handers. So I would have rolled him out. I would roll him out tonight if if I had him on a team. 
Meanwhile, the Tigers actually have been. That's been a strength of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 11th on the year, so it wasn't too surprising that they uh, that they got to to means a bit. Um, yeah, 27% strikeout rate for the Rays against lefties, bottom 10 in WOBA. Um, that strikeout rate is actually second to only Miami. So if you're a lefty, you want to get to Florida and uh, and get those strikeouts because 28 and 27% for the Marlins and Rays, respectively. Um and then he has Atlanta this weekend. So if you if you are in a daily move, so let's say you started in you started means against Tampa Bay tonight. Let's say it goes well. What about Atlanta? Yeah, At I think home, I'm okay with rolling him against Atlanta as well. And again, not a team that isn't as good against lefties as they are against righties. Um, it's a scary team though, <laughs> but they're without Acuna, so. Because they can go yard, right? I mean, yeah. that's the scary, scary part. Uh, yeah. Ninety-four WRC plus, though it's twenty-third in the league, and then with ties, I mean, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's twenty-third in the league. Um, they don't strike out as much at twenty-two percent, but uh, yeah, they're down there. They're actually a point below the Rays. The Rays have a ninety-five WRC plus, so looks like a good two start here for Means to get back and on then, track. And then he has you, Tampa the following week again. That, that's a good trio. If he can't get going here, then I really have to start making a tough decision particularly in like 10 teamers where he might mm-hmm. then be a cut yeah because after that he lines up i mean obviously things can change over you know course of two and a, two or three weeks in terms of where guys are starting but he would line up for he would be at new york for the yankees um and that's that's something i probably don't want to risk even if he is good but if he's definitely bad i think he becomes cuttable mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying yeah if, the, if these three don't go well and say two out of the three are bad then I think I start to have concerns and means becomes cuttable in shallower formats. I know in 15s and like AL only, he's just probably going to keep enough value that you, you you can't really. But what I'm going to be really looking at, though, too, is those strikeouts. Because two of these next three against Tampa Bay with with their strikeout issues, if he can't get the strikeouts back on track, then I'm not sure anything's going to help means at that point. And I'm really going to start to peel back on my uh, outlook for him for at least the remainder of this season. So this wasn't a hold or fold. This was more in focus. But uh, let's let's dive into some hold or fold because for now we're keeping means. We're starting for the next three and we'll see where we're at after that. But let's play hold or fold with an old favorite of ours um, who, who turned hated and then came back around to love. <laughs> maybe hated yet again. That's Garrett Hampson. Now, Garrett Hampson this year... Um, I don't think he was like overdrafted. He was he was regarded enough that you, you kind of played chicken with it in those middle rounds, where um, you know if you liked him, you you wanted to get in there. But if somebody sniped him from you, you say, "Dang it, I like him, but whatever, it's not the end of the world." That's how I felt at least with regards to drafting him. Didn't really end up with him anywhere. Fourteen steals, six homers on the season. That's not too bad, but 231, 285, 367 line is horrendous. He has one stolen base since July 10th, two since June 10th, and he's hitting 214, 265, 290 with one homer in that time. He has a massive home road split, 857 at home for Garrett Hampson, 447 on the road. So half of his games, he's completely unplayable. Recently, it seems like even those home games aren't super playable. Are you cutting Garrett Hampson? I'm going to go all the way up to 15s and say, you know, 10s, 12s, and 15s is where I'm questioning right now. Are you cutting him in all three of those formats, Garrett Hampson? So I sorted from the all-star break, so second half, um, and his line is even worse. (laughs) 
it's 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 145 224 174 triple slash no home runs one stolen base one caught stealing his wrc plus is one <laughs> which means he's not doing anything at home either then because they've had some home yeah. games they got a big home stretch this week um this could be your final test if you wanted it to be with with hampson but i'm not even sure if i'm waiting that long in daily moves league i'm just I, I get it's hard to cut course guys when they're at home. So again, if you want to play out this week, cause they're home all week. Sure. But after that, I think I'm cutting him in all, in all formats, unless he goes off and steals like f- literally like four or five bases this week. I, I'm putting a big bar for him to clear or else I'm just going to take this week and then cut Garrett Hampson where I have him. I mean, the, the issue is like, he's just hitting the ball on the ground. Like in the second half, his, his uh, ground ball percentage is 56%. What's uh-huh. his Babbitt? Because then it's like one ninety something. Okay, so there's some bad luck there. For there is sure. some bad luck, but is a weak grounders. It's not even a ton of weak contact though. That's the thing. Okay, like, his okay. soft contact percentage is thirteen point seven percent. That's know, not most of his, bad. Most of his contact is either medium or hard contact. Uh, it's that like part of it is he's getting unlucky. And part of it is you know you're gonna put the ball on the ground. You're gonna kind of you know, deal with what happens uh, yep. with that. He's going to be better. And the thing is like the Rockies are continuing to play him. He's playing pretty much every day with like, the well, he's getting old enough to where they really like him. And yeah, once he can block a younger guy, then they'll, then it makes, they'll really which makes install a ton of sense, him full right? Time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I have no problem moving That's on it. from him, but we have to remember this is a guy like Mondesi that can win leagues at the end of, you know, the end of the season, he, he gets hot and we steals yeah. eight bases rest of the way. Uh, like that could be the difference in leagues. So I would try to keep him, especially considering he's eligible at multiple spots. Um, but I cannot totally understand, like you can't play him right now, which makes yeah, at, it really, at, really difficult. Yeah. At worst, uh, or at best he should be, uh, Hampson should be on your bench. And then you can stream him and maybe you streamed him in for this week and you're kind of waiting to see, you know, to that point with regards to uh, how much he can he can turn things. We saw it in that 2019 September with five homers, nine steals and his his previous 25 games coming into that from from late July through August. He had a 232, 279, 339 line with one homer and one steal. Absolutely no reason. Yeah, just because I make cut your him. decision in my torture. in my main event league, I cut him. Understandably, yeah, yeah. So just to make it even harder to cut him and more annoying, uh, I will tell you that yeah, it could flip on a dime again. But um, I'm okay if this week doesn't go how how you planned to cut him or at least keep him on the bench uh, and and don't let him bring down your ratios and not even give you the steals that you want from Garrett Hampson. Another guy. Uh, this guy doesn't even have the, the protection of a great home park, though. But Adelise Garcia, can you believe that we're playing hold or fold with him after the year that he's had? But here we are. And if you look, his first 170 plate appearances, 288, 324, 619 with 16 homers and five steals. That was a 63-20 full season pace. That's what I had him down for, 63 homers, 20 <laughs> steals. So I was feeling good. I was going to yeah, cash my yeah. ticket because I predicted it. Was well, last 270 plate appearances, 218, 267, 397, 10 homers, three steals. So fewer homers and steals in 100 more plate appearances. That's a 25-7 
full season pace. He's one for two in stolen bases over his last 173 plate appearances. So Garcia has completely come back to earth, which frankly was not difficult to project because his plate skills were so bad. And this is why we freak out over plate skills so much because with enough time, they will come back to hurt you. And that's why it's hard to get excited about like a Lewis Brinson who's still mm-hmm. striking out too much and not walking at all. 31% strikeout, 5% walk for Garcia. He's down to a 108 WRC plus 289 OBP on the season. Is that at least Garcia a cut for you? I don't have a problem cutting him. I mean, I think he's better than this, but, um, this is, you know, like you said, this is this is the whole issue with plate skills. I mean, he's, but what what is he then? Is he his full season? Is he two forty five, two eighty nine, four eighty three? Do you think he's better than that? No, I think I, I think that is what he probably is. Okay, and that's uh, it's a little bit above average, mm-hmm. but but with power yeah. and speed on a team well, that's gonna play him. The speed is the part that I'm gonna push back on though, because it's not guaranteed. He was off to a good start there with with getting those five steals early. But he has three cents, and he's been caught a bunch, too. So he's now 8 for 12 on the season. Hmm. He's he not running e- anymore. He hasn't even attempted a stolen base in the second half. That's what I'm saying. And wow. so that's why I don't even think it's with power and okay. speed. I think, I think the speed is Then I think he is, is like, cuttable because, I mean, this, without the speed component, you're, you're – I mean, isn't he like – I don't know. Any other guy on the – I, or on the uh, yeah, on the wire, yeah, with I a think, little bit of punch yeah. and no batting average. I think yeah, yeah I think that that's interesting. I didn't that's even where, notice that's where that. I'm at on on him oh, with Adelise Garcia because the speed has dissipated so much that now it's just an empty power. Not empty. Uh, that's a weird way. We don't usually say empty power, but like there's nothing around it. There, so it is kind of empty power because the empty runs power, aren't yeah. good, the ribbies aren't good because of the team he's on and the batting average. So it is in a weird sense empty power. Um, and I don't, I don't want it. Tens and twelves. I probably would have already cut him. I think in fifteens, if the right guy's on the wire, he's cuttable. Now, not every league's going to have somebody for that because I know wires are dry in fifteens. Mm-hmm. But there are. Whoa! I just saw something crazy when I went to go look and give you some names. Somebody cut Patrick Sandoval in my main. What? Well, there's all your Eloy money. And my sale money, because I, I lost out on sale this week, too. But I knew I wasn't going to go all in for him because I'm scared of, <laughs> of TJ Returners. You know how I feel about those guys. But anyway, I was going to go get some names um, to look at. And I, I saw that because he was the top one sorted by uh, roster rate. I'm just like, holy smokes. So anyway, uh, looking at some guys who have been performing of late to see if you would take out Elise Garcia or them. What about, speaking of speed, and it's it's temporary right now because when Glaber comes back, but Tyler Wade has four positions and five steals in the last two weeks. Tyler Wade or Adelise Garcia? Uh, Wade. I actually I, picked, I would too. I picked up Wade in one of my mains. I, I don't blame you. I had him in – I don't need speed as much, so I had him in, in strings a little bit lower that I got guys ahead of him. But I was interested at least to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about your boy Alex Dickerson, who at the very least is a strong side platoon? He has a um, 1049 OPS over the last two weeks with, with a couple homers. Alex Dickerson or Adelise Garcia? Mm, I think I'm going to stick with Garcia. Okay. Just because playing time, playing time, yeah. I just don't trust the Giants at all. 
Yeah, they don't care about our fantasy teams. They care about winning. I mean, you go look at the roster resource page. It's, I mean, the entire, almost the entire lineup is platooning. Yeah, and that's 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 their. That's except their, uh, except for Posey and recently re-signed Brandon Crawford and Chris Bryant and Yaz, mm-hmm. like everybody else is. Is Everyone platoon. else has an opportunity to be platooned, and that does include Dickerson, who, like I said, is on the strong side, but it's not the number three hitter in the lineup every single day, which Adelise Garcia is, and that is volume. And if you think this is the worst of him right now, then it would stand a reason that he can come out of it and have a little a little flourish to finish the year. I, I, I probably would, too, because I've had a few opportunities to pick up Dickerson um, and cutting some guys that are, that are a little bit garcia-esque and i haven't done it so i think to stay intellectually honest on that i think i would have to agree with you i'd I'd go with garcia even though i don't have him what about another guy who's playing all the time but he's kind of an open book as to what he is brian de la cruz for miami they picked him up in the uh, yimmy garcia deal they brought him right up they're playing him every day so the playing time aspect is even where are you on on the skills between the two brian de la cruz and adelise garcia because he kind of looks like Adelise. He just hasn't had a giant, you know, <laughs> two months yet. Otherwise, everything else kind of is is similar. Like strikes out too much, doesn't walk enough, hitting a bit right now, but is he over his head? So I don't know. You, you're probably going to stick with the guy that's already been doing it. But uh, Brian De La Cruz or Adelise Garcia? Mm, I think I'm going to go with Garcia here. Yeah, made you think about it at least a little. Yeah, because I mean the the skills are almost like identical. You look at like. You know, swinging outside the zone 37% of the time. He's making league average contact within the zone. Uh, swing strike rate is like 12%. Um, so and like, I will say, though, while he, while Garcia's running has, has slowed, um, Cruz doesn't. He's not even a threat like that. Garcia could still steal like five bases the rest of the way. Nobody would be surprised if he got going again on the bases. That's not happening with Cruz. Yeah, Garcia, so I mean, stole right. two bases in Triple A. Uh, in 66 games and was caught Cruz, four times. De, De La Cruz, yeah, De La Cruz did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. So I just want to bring him up. But yeah, there aren't a ton of names. So not every 15-teamer is going to see Adelise Garcia get cut. Maybe if you have that kind of guy out there who's rostered in so many more leagues, but for some reason he's not in yours, the way I have Patrick Sandoval available in mine, or even Tyler Wade, who's 70% rostered but didn't get picked up in my league, a guy like that. But one of those guys who's more in like the uh, 30 to 50 percent, probably not. Like I like Tyrone Taylor, but there's a playing time crunch. He really only hits lefties, so I wouldn't do it for him. You know, at that point, I'm just going to ride it out with uh, with Adelise. Um, what about Zach Gallon on the Holder Fold? And again, that's a name that's probably jarring to hear for Holder Fold consideration. But do you know that he has a 5.03 ERA on the season at this point, a 141 WHIP? Worse since the break at 612 and 142, respectively. Hold or fold with Zach Gown, and then we'll wrap up. Oh, I totally know. Because remember, I took a gamble on Zach Gallon when he was injured as my number three starting pitcher. And I was just like, if he can just be on the mound, he's going to be good, right? And that was right? accurate. Through, through the early part yeah. of the year, it was looking like you hit one of the biggest boons in – you know, the, for the fantasy mm-hmm. year, to be honest, like he had a 367 ERA through his first seven starts. Things were cooking. Do you think it's just the repeat injuries that have just started to build up too, though? Because he's been on the IL, I think, three or four different times. And he really started to take a turn there right around that seven start mark. 
He's only made it five innings. Well, he's made it five innings a few times, but he gives up too many runs. So it hasn't been a five inning thing. But really, in those last uh, eight, he has a 6.23 ERA with 44 strikeouts and 39 innings. So the Ks are there, but too many home runs for Gar- for Gallon. I think his command is off a bit, and I wonder if it's a cascading effect from the multitude of injuries. Yeah, um, I I have to you have to wonder if like if the arm just isn't right. Um... I mean, it, like the schedule's been rough too. I mean, you know, in his last four starts, he's faced the Dodgers, the Giants twice, and the Padres. And he goes to Colorado and Philly with his next two, so that's not yeah. great either. But Gallon's supposed to be somebody that you trust Anywhere. regardless of who he's facing. But yeah, that being said, like there's not a whole lot that makes me feel super confident that he's going to turn around. I have no problem dropping Gallon in 10 and 12 team leagues. I think you can make the argument in 15 team leagues. Kind of just depends on who you're picking up for him. Uh, so, like, I mean, is like a, a Nestor Cortez Jr. on the uh, waiver wire or I don't know, Eli Morgan? Like, I think I, you can make the argument to pick up those guys. Or even Luis Heel, uh, yeah. Cortez's teammate, yep. who's still out there in a few leagues as well. Or if somebody cut Patrick Sandoval in your league for some reason, you can just get him. And Patino. Patino was cut too. Now Sandoval's been much better, so that's more yeah, appealing. But, uh, but they're yeah, both ninety-five percent. Both those guys in a heartbeat. Yeah, they're they're both ninety-five percent rostered. What yeah. the heck? That's I don't that's know like who are in these main events with people like that. They're just dropping like these. I, I guys. think one because these are not available in my main events. Well, and it yeah, it's league to league. I guess one thing like, and, I, and I, I think... can choose between Jesus Lazardo, Rich Hill, and Patrick Corbin. Yeah, I don't know about all of that. Uh, well, here's the thing. Do we we have agreed and and suggested that the NFBC puts a higher cut of player overall? That doesn't mean that every player that's in the NFBC is a monster, though, mm-hmm. right? Like, Absolutely. There are plenty of mediocre and flat out poor players, and yep. you know, I, we're in there. I was gonna say, who who am I <laughs> to say? Anyway, this is like the first year I'm doing anything. So I spent a few years being absolutely bottom feeding. Hopefully this is the year that begins my turnaround, but we still got two months left. So nothing signed, sealed and delivered yet. But anyway, things happen like that. And it ends up being like kind of luck of the draw on league sometimes in terms of like, I paid 112 for Eloy Jimenez. Oh, he went three and 15 in my league. He went 490 in this league. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic that just, adds to the uh, wildness of the NFBC main event and the uh, Rotowire online championship. But anyway, with Gallon, I think we're both moving on in 10s and 12s very easily, maybe already have. And then in 15s, depends who's available, but not hard to not hard to cut him if the right guy's there. Gallon just doesn't have it this year. I'll be interested to see how he regroups, and then I'll be ready to buy back in maybe next year. Agreed. All right, man, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, we'll be back on Friday talking more baseball. Until then, Justin, have a good one. Take it easy.